0: Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So this week, we read Parsha Vayechi, which is the last Parsha in Breshi. <clears throat> now, Vayechi, of course, means, and he lived. And it refers to the statement, the opening statement that Yaakov lived 17 years in the land of Egypt. That's how the Parsha opens. And I find that this is a striking opening. Because until now, the use of the word chai of life with Yaakov has been minimal. In fact, he focuses a lot more on the word mavet or death. And so what I wanted to look at today is what's going on with saying The simple, it it seems so simple and so benign, but in fact, is actually kind of a profound statement. Why is this such a changing point in Yaakov's life? And what does it represent for the story and for us? So now looking back to the previous portion by Yigash, if you trace the word chai and met, alive and dead, you see something very interesting emerges. Now, when the brothers are pleading with Yosef um, about Benjamin and and not having Yosef sees Benjamin of after the goblet incident, etc., Yosef says to his brothers, "Ani Yosef, I am Yosef. Haod Avi Chai, is my father still alive? Yosef is first and foremost, before anything else, concerned with whether Yaakov is still alive. Now. After this, they say, yes, of course. And then they go and back to Canaan to retrieve Yaakov and bring him down to Egypt. And when they're explaining to Yaakov what happened before he actually leaves Canaan um, to go see Yosef, another amazing thing happens. Vayomer Israel, Rav od Yosef chai. Uh, it's amazing. Like my son Joseph is still alive. The word Rav has some interesting roles and there's lots of mafarshim on that. They basically said, oh. Od Yosef Chai. Yosef is still alive. Elcha beterem amut. I must go see him before I die. Now, this itself, I actually find to be a pretty depressing statement. Yeah, Yosef in the previous plastic that we discussed is excited that his father is still alive. Now his father is so excited that Yosef is still alive, but for what purpose? To go see him before he dies it's kind of depressing. You know, you read about people who at the last minute you find something out right before you die or when you're really old and it's, it's exciting to have some kind of resolution, but it's also sad because you, you think about all the time that they've lost together, right? That they, they haven't been able to be together. It's still a huge loss for him to say, I want to see my son one more time before I die. And Yako's like obsession with death and the, the relationship to Yosef continues. When Yaakov actually sees Yosef, the Pasuk says, Yosef, amuta hapa'am acharei re'oti et panecha ki chai. I can now die because I have seen for myself that you are still alive. So the very fact of Yosef's being alive, being chai, is enough to give Yaakov permission to leave the world of the chai, and to die. So why is Yaakov so obsessed with death? What is going on with him that he's just focused on death and excited that Yosef is alive, but not excited to actually occupy time with him, to actually live with Yosef? He's just excited to be able to see Yosef and then be able to die. Now, it's clear that Yaakov, whether or not Yaakov's life is actually miserable or not, that's up for debate. Yaakov perceives his life as having been miserable. For example, when Yaakov speaks to Paro when he arrives, Yaakov says this He says um, this amazing amazing thing. He says to Paro, The years of my sojourn on earth are 130. <laughs> but the days of my life have been few and bad. <laughs> and they don't come up to the lifespans of my father during their lives. Basically, I'm 130. It's been a rough go, and not only has it been a rough go at things, but also it's been shorter than Avram and Yitzhak. So you can see here that I think Yaakov is saying to Paro he's not trying to flatter him. I think he's just being honest, like, here's how I see my life. My life has not been good. And so he clearly, you know, perhaps I think his obsession with with death and saying, oh, I just want to see Yosef before I die. You could argue it's just because Yaakov just is not that happy of a person. Life hasn't treated him well. And actually the Sforno says here, he says something amazing. He says... Basically, that when Yaakov can finally see Yosef and see that he is alive, he says, "Yehi sheamut bezot Hatshua, May it be God's will that I die at that moment of of you know of salvation, of just that incredible moment of being able to see for himself that his son is still alive. Ve'lo Yosef etsev ima, and that will not contribute more sadness." to my life. And he's kind of saying like, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the, the, why am I going to die once I see that Yosef is still alive, says Isforno, because that's going to be a happy moment. And Yaakov wants to savor that happy moment, but not live longer than that. Because if he lives longer than that, he risks becoming sad again. He risks something terrible happening. And that's, you know, I think that's a very, very human emotion. Of course, you know, things, the things that traumatize us make us so scared to ever try anything again. And a lot of us react to tragedy, to loss, to trauma by just not really ever allowing ourselves to believe again, right? By the way that Yaakov, okay, wants to see Yosef, but he, he's not going to believe in that they can now have a life together. He just thinks, okay, then he's gonna die because that's the way to save him from even more pain. And presumably, if he's lost Yosef once, he's terrified to lose Yosef again. Now, if we were just settled with that, then Yo- Yaakov should die in this week's parsha in the beginning. But instead, as we said, it opens with "Va'yichi Yaakov Be'eretz Mitzrayim Yaakov lives in Egypt for 17 years. Now, that's pretty striking given what we've seen until now. And what, so I'm just like kind of curious about what happened with Yaakov that suddenly he was able to live in Egypt that this was a place of life. I mean, the irony, of course, is that Egypt became a place of life, but it does seem like there's some transformation in him that took him from a place of death to a place of life. And actually, fascinatingly, if you look at the moment when Yaakov actually dies, it says, Yaakov l'tzavot et banav, raglav el hamita, el amav. When Yaakov finished his instructions to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and, breathing his last, was gathered to the people. As lots of Mefarshim note, what word is missing here? Vayamat. that He died. The deaths of Avraham and Yitzchak are used in a very similar language, but both include the word Vayamat. Yaakov's death does not. Now, what some people, like Midrash and others, use this to say is that, ah, uh, Yaakov never actually died. <laughs> Like that he, I don't know what that means exactly, but they say that because his death isn't discussed, it must be that he actually died. Now, so its I think that point reinforces that whatever happened to Yaakov in Egypt, he was able to live and not only was he able to live, but that moment of death that he anticipated, the death that would put him out of his misery, wasn't actually that kind of moment of death. That because that word mavet that he used over and over when he was alive to say, I'm just going to die, wasn't even present there. So on some level, some aspect of Yaakov's life was radically transformed when he reached Egypt. Now, I wanted to conclude by looking at what the Chis Kuni says about that. It says, "Why does the Pasuk say? But the rest of his years were uh, in his life that was not called life because for the rest of his life until now he was he was steeped in pain but when he arrived to egypt his spirit calmed and he was able to live calmly he was able to live peacefully. And so I appreciate this Chris Kuni because he's really articulating. He's able to articulate. He's perhaps brave enough to articulate. The Yaakov really did believe that until now, all of his life was steeped in pain. Perhaps was that you could argue, you know, as he sees, isn't even worth living. He's just going through the motions until he can die. He's got no reason to live anymore other than that one impossibility that he never could have believed in that his son Yosef is still alive. And what the Chiskuni here acknowledges is that that it's such a sadness and it's such a painful state to be in, but it's also possible to change. That once Yaakov arrived in a new land, under new circumstances, with all of his family together in Goshen, something about his spirit was able to calm and he was able to live in peace. And I think that that's such a beautiful way to think about the conclusion of Yaakov's life. Now, I mean, it's funny because I would also argue the opposite point that Yaakov also learns nothing from his mistakes because of the way he speaks to his children and grandchildren on his deathbed is pretty horrific. Praises some and he criticizes others. I mean, straight up, he's just mean to some of them. So in that way, I think Yaakov doesn't change. he doesn't really learn a lesson. He doesn't really learn how to speak more pleasantly. But at least here, what the Hiskuni and I think what the text is inviting us to think is that even if Yaakov still was in a place of internal strife, at least he also had some degree of internal peace. And once he was able to find that peace, only then, ironically enough, does his life actually start. Only then does his life become worth living. Now, in, this probably can sound like a great insensitivity to people who are experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder, people who are experiencing depression, people for, who say, "What? You're just going to tell me it's like Yaakov was able to just, you know, flip a switch and and it's just it was his problem, it was all in his head." God forbid, no. But I do think that this is a message that there is possibility for change. That sometimes it is about perspective. And that for Yaakov, until now, he's so focused on death that in some ways, I think he made his life not worth living, right? He still had 11 sons. He still had Yemen, but he was so upset, focused on how miserable he is that he made himself a walking ghost in some ways. He made himself a guy who's just so miserable, he's waiting to die. But once he's able to kind of calm down and switch places, he realizes that actually there are parts of life that are worth living. And he is able to enjoy those last 17 years when his family is all together. And that that this is just not solely a function of circumstance, but also a function of Yaakov's own transformation, his own ability to say, all right, enough. I'm also going to see the beauty in life. I'm going to appreciate the beauty in life. And I'm going to take that risk that world might bring me more pain. Just like we said in the beginning that maybe he's avoiding pain. He's avoiding trauma again. He's willing to take that risk and he's willing to live for the sake of actually feeling that his life is worth living. Shabbat shalom.